All right, good morning, Parkway Church. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Parkway Victoria, Parkway Port Lavaca, and Lone Tree, and everybody listening online, welcome. Glad you guys are with us today. Now, we are um, at the very back end of our series, The God I Wish You Knew series, where we'll be looking at many of the, the major prophets in the Old Testament. And today, we are actually wrapping that up by looking at one of the minor prophets. And you say, well, there's a bunch of minor prophets. I know. However, a year ago, we actually went through all the minor prophets, and so if you want to go and hear biblical teaching on the minor prophets, um, on all of them, you're going to do that on your own time. I'm just kidding. Uh, but you really can actually go to uh, parkwaychurch.tv, and we'll have all those messages uh, posted online. You can go there and find those. We'll have those posted by this afternoon. So for our brief look at the minor prophets and what the minor prophets have to say about God, because that's what this series is all about, what does God say about himself? in his word, not necessarily what do we say about God is our personal opinion or what do our friends or even culture say about God, but what does God say about himself? And to do that, we're actually going to turn to the book of Hosea. If you want to go there ahead of time right now in your paper Bibles or in your phones or even on the Parkway Church app, uh, you can do that as well. Now, the book of Hosea shows a key attribute of God better than anywhere else in Scripture it shows, as Mike was saying, that God is relentless. Now, as we've looked in weeks past, we said God is faithful, and we could think of people that were faithful to us, and it was kind of a sounding board for us. We have thought about people that are loving or merciful. All these attributes of God have people in our lives that are this positive sounding board that we can use as a reference. When we say God is relentless, it's slightly less so, okay? When we think of relentless people in our lives, that's not always a positive. Um, I'll say a person is relentless. They kind of sound like a stalker, actually, in that moment. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a relentless boss or an overbearing person when we say God is relentless. When we say God is relentless, what we mean is he relentlessly pursues after us despite what we do. Despite sometimes our actions, God relentlessly pursues after us because he loves us. Now, that's important. Because when you think about the things we relentlessly pursue, they're usually these great things. Like you have a career that you want to do. You're a college student. You relentlessly pursue after that because you think that career is awesome, right? You don't pursue a career path. You're like, man, you're working really hard. You must love this one day. No, not really. That's not the way we work. We pursue after things we care about because they're great. You're, wanting to, you're dating someone. You want to marry them one day. You're pursuing after them. You obviously think they're great. You're not pursuing after someone thinking, ah, they're all right. Like, I hope not. If that is you right now, that's a very bad idea, right? We, we relentlessly pursue after things that are great. Here's the thing about God, though. He relentlessly pursues after us not because we are just awesome. He doesn't relentlessly pursue after us because we are this great prize. Look at us. You're like, that's not why God pursues after us. God pursues after us because he loves us in spite of our shortcomings. And that's why it's such good news for us. And we see that in the book of Hosea. Now, uh, if you haven't read the book of Hosea or don't know the background of it, what is happening here in this minor prophet is we're going back in time a little bit from last week. You see, Hosea um, is a prophet to Israel before uh, the Assyrians or Babylonians came in. And Hosea was a prophet to them 
after they had um, rebelled against God for years, they had committed sinful lifestyle after sinful lifestyle generationally ever since the death of King Solomon for hundreds of years. And really, Hosea is uh, the, the last chance. He is, God is sending Hosea in like, this is your last chance. If you do not repent of the sinful lifestyle you're living, the Assyrian Empire, which was uh, in battle, a very brutal, brutal enemy, is going to come in here and wipe you out and humble you one way or the other. So this is your uh, last chance, Israel, here in this moment. And because it was really the last chance for them, God spoke through Hosea in a unique way. Hosea didn't just speak the truth to the nation of Israel. His life was actually an example to Israel, and it was a very odd example, but it proves a very profound point. Look at this. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2 says this. When the Lord, Hosea 1, verse 2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman. Now, promiscuous is like the nicer version the NIV has. That means, really, and literally is the original language, a woman who was likely to commit adultery, an immoral person, even hinting later on at prostitution, okay? Just track with me for a second. Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Now, I say that, and I don't know about you, Port Lavaca or Lone Tree, you know, Victoria, everybody goes, what? <laughs> you you kind of hear those words, you read those words, and you go, all right, that is in the Bible. All right, I guess that must be his advice. But here's the thing, I'm willing to bet in your quiet times in the morning, God's not telling you the same thing. Am I correct on that? God's not telling you this. Um, by the way, if you think he is, he's not. I just want to clarify that right now. Um, he's not. But you think, why in the world would God tell anyone, much less his prophet, to enter in, in such an unhealthy marriage? Why would God tell Hosea to do this? It makes no sense. It goes against all the, 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 the wisdom I've heard about marriage and dating. Here's why. It says so in verse 2. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. You see, in the entire book of Hosea, it's a very real story. These are real people, but they're an image of something bigger. You see, in the story of Hosea, Hosea plays the part of God, is the image of God, the faithful, faithful husband who relentlessly pursues after his wife, Gomer, a lovely name, um, who relentlessly pursues after, if you're thinking about naming anybody Gomer, just don't, all right? relentlessly pursues after his wife, Gomer, who is in this case playing the part of Israel, who has rebelled against God for generations, who has been unfaithful to God for so, so long. You see, the nation of Israel for so long had committed idolatry. They had worshipped these false gods after being told numerous times not to. They had fallen into actual sexual immorality very like this. It's a common thing in Israel. They had become apathetic. They had really drifted away from God for so, so long. Now, here's what I want to challenge you to is this. I want to challenge you today is this. Is I want you to see yourself in this story. And you say, well, I can't see myself in this story because my, my sin doesn't look anything like Gomer's. Here's the thing. We see ourselves in this story in this way. It's just like Israel and just like Gomer. At times, we are rebellious against God. 
Sometimes we drift far away from God. We go against God's will sometimes. We have to see ourselves in a story. Maybe our sin looks different, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I want you to see that God relentlessly pursues after you all the same. Now, it keeps on getting a little bit heavier even from here, if you can even imagine that's possible. Verse 3 in chapter 1, So he married Gomer, that is the worst name ever, daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now it says she bore him a son. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. In that day I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. And now that's referring to a previous um, poor, poor choice in politics and government that Israel made in the past. We'll unpack later on if we have time, but he's, God is bringing up some of the past failures of Israel, how they rebelled against him. Verse 6, Gomer conceived and gave birth to a daughter. Now, what does it say there? It says, she gave birth to a daughter. Did it say it was his? No. In fact, this child, by most biblical commentators, believe is actually not his. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her lo Ramah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love to Israel, but I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow, sword, or battle, or by horse or horseman, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. And after she had weaned lo Ramah, Gomer had another son. Once again, didn't say it was Hosea's. Then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Now that has got to be one of the heaviest, piece, the heaviest passages in all of Scripture. And we ask, why in the world would, would God tell Hosea to give these children these names? I'm willing to bet these are not in like the little baby books, okay? At that time, I'm just going out on a limb here. I don't think they were the popular name choice that year. So why, why on earth would God give such terrible names? Because God was warning Israel. He was giving them a very, very real warning. He said, look, because of what has happened, what were once my children now not to be called not my people. He was giving them warning. He was saying, look, your actions have a consequence. You've rebelled against me for so long that there's about to be some very, very real consequences. And here's the thing. This is actually God trying to save Israel and even trying to save the children of Israel before the rebellion of the adults in the community actually caused Assyria to come in there and brutally take everybody out of that land. God was trying to give them a message here that was, could not be ignored. And by all means, this is a very difficult message to be ignored in the same way we are being told that, hey, do not take sinful lifestyles as if it doesn't matter. God gives us some very stern warnings, don't do that. And we say, man, this is, this is harsh. But I want you to see this. It would be very, very harsh if I just got done right there and said, all right, that's what I have for you today. We'll see you next Sunday, right? Like that would be a rather dark Sunday, right? You would be first in line at Olive Garden. However, I feel like the conversation may be a little bit dark there as well, all right? I don't think getting in line to Chili's is worth that because there's good news. It doesn't end there. 
It doesn't end there. In fact, if you go home today, I want to encourage you this. Hosea chapter 2, one of the most beautiful passages ever. Because what happens in chapter 2 is God himself talks about how he is going to pursue after Israel. How he is going to pursue after them, even though they have not deserved to be called children of God, he's going to pursue after them. He tells Hosea himself, go and pursue after your wife. She has not been faithful, but pursue after her. And it shows us what I've been talking about, that God relentlessly pursues after us. Not because we are great, but because he loves us. Because he so much cares about us. It even talks later on about Israel being thought of as a child and how God was talking about, I was there as you're an infant and I still love you. It comes to a high point when it says this in Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. It says, I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. God pursued after Israel at this point, and he pursues after us today. If you walked in here today and you said, you know what, I feel like I've done too much. There's no way God cares about me. There's no way he pursues after me. I'm telling you, he does. He is today. He is pursuing after you, and he wants a close walking relationship with you. You say, I haven't deserved that. None of us have. Gomer did not, but look what God told Hosea to do. Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This is direct instructions, Hosea. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver in that culture. He actually had to go and buy her back. And a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You will, uh, must not be a, a prostitute, be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. Hosea didn't just say, you know what, if, if you want to come back here, come on back. He went and, and purchased her back, just in the same way the image of the Christ purchased us at a high cost. You have to see the gospel in this. Christ sent, God sent His one only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. That's not a small price to pay. That is a large price to pay for us. He died for us, God pursuing after us so we can what have a relationship with Him now and for forever because He pursues after us. It's the good news of the gospel. God does the same thing for us today. Now, beyond that good news of the gospel, why does this matter to us today? Because I don't think we have any Old Testament prophets here with us today. I didn't think so, right? Like, why does this matter for us today then? Why does it matter that God pursues after us today. I think one of the biggest things is to give us not an unhealthy self-image, but an image of truly who we are and who Christ says we are. I think a lot of times we get it wrong and we think, you know, Christianity is all about us becoming the best possible person that we can be. And that ain't it. God said, you know what, I, I am pursuing after you. I, I love you despite the sin that you have. Even though there isn't anything good in us. Christ says, you know what, I love you anyway, and he makes us into disciples. Man, this shows so much that Christianity is not about self-help. It's about the gospel. And I think in order for us to really truly understand the gospel, we have to 
peel back some layers and see the fact that, man, we are broken people. That's not the most fun thing to do. I don't like looking inside myself and saying, I don't like this about myself, but it helps me realize that Christ loves me even despite those things. And that's the same for us for today. When we see what we've been saved from, it leads to us worshiping God all, all the more. But I think it gets a little more practical after this. I want you to imagine, like, you are Hosea, right? What do you think your friends are telling you to do before chapter 3? Like, what do you think that the, the friend's advice is here? You think you have any friends walking up to you be like, yeah, you should, you should definitely go in and buy them, buy her back and, and really do the right thing, show mercy? And that's what Hosea's friends were telling him? No, right? What were they telling him? Oh, well, here is what you should tell her, right? Can you, can you actually hear that, that voice right now? Like, who has a friend? If you go to them, even with a small issue, somebody said something wrong to you, somebody wronged you somehow, somebody said this and insulted you, you go to this friend, and they're nice. However, what do they tell you every time? Oh, well, here is what you should have said. You should have said this, said this, told them off, slammed the door, and walk out of there. Never go back. Anybody have that friend like, in their life? Like, right, we all have that person in our lives, right? And here's the thing. Here's the thing about the, that, that friend. Here's the thing. Would they ever actually do that themselves? Never. Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, would they ever actually do that themselves? Almost never, right? Why are they telling us to do that? Because they're trying to like vicariously live through us. Like they want us to do what they don't want to do themselves because they don't want to mess up their own lives. They don't want to do that. They, don't want, they know that's wrong, but they will tell us to do that. Why? Because they're not personally invested here. You see, there's friends in our lives. God himself will tell us what we need to hear, not necessarily what is easy, Right? Well, the easy thing would be to say, you know what, Jose, you tried, it didn't work out. I realize God told you to, but just walk on out that door. God doesn't call us to what is easy. God calls us to what he actually says is an image of what he's done for us. And so for us in this room, what does that look like? I think that it looks like us relentlessly pursuing after others to show them love even when they have not always done right by us. And that is so, so difficult. And if you're anything like me, it is easy to hold a grudge, is it not? It's like an X-Men power. It really is. I'm good at it. I'm so good at it. But it's not what Christ has actually called me to do. And maybe that actually looks like being relentlessly pursuing after a spouse, even with the gender roles switched here, relentlessly pursuing after a spouse. Maybe that looks like as a parent, relentlessly pursuing after and loving a teenager that doesn't always make it easy to love them as they often do not. Amen, right? I was assuming I'd get parents like, amen, to that one. Like, no, okay. I was just checking. Hey, high schoolers are gone. Junior highers are gone. We can talk about them right now. I promise. I won't tell them anything, all right? Um, it's sometimes not always easy to be a parent and love them in that moment. That's what we're called to do. We're called to relentlessly pursue after these people. We have a coworker, right? And their name just popped into your mind. Dave. I'm just kidding. I hope he's not Dave. That'd be bad. But like, has done nothing. If there's a Dave in here for the first time, I am so sorry. But like, there's, there's, this guy has done nothing to actually show mercy towards you. He has not earned for you to relentlessly pursue after this person to show them compassion. But Christ calls us to do exactly that. 
And the last thing is this, is what if we actually flip the script a little bit, though? What if we take ourselves out of the, the role of playing Hosea? Because the reality is this, the bad news is this, is at some point in time in our life, maybe the sin will look a little bit different, but we play Gomer or Israel in this role here. Maybe the sin looks different, and oftentimes it does, but just because the sin looks different doesn't mean it's any less serious. The reality is this, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, my hope and prayer is that you walk closely with the Lord all of your life. The bad news is, though, is we have a tendency to drift away from God, don't we? Just like Peter denying Christ three different times, we have a tendency to sometimes rebel against God and drift away from Him. Just like King David himself, a man who is known as a man after God's own heart, who committed adultery himself, we have a tendency to stumble, to fall, and drift away from a close discipleship walk with the Lord. And I think of the way, if you think about it, for those of you guys who are visual, who are visual learners in here, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, visual, don't be ashamed of it. It's okay. You don't need crayons, but we're visual people. All right, there's nothing to be ashamed in that, right, visual learners? Um, everybody looks down on visual learners and like, can you not just listen to it? No, I can't, all right? Um, visual learners, you don't think of it like a cycle, Okay. A cycle, think of it this way, okay? Cycle that we begin having a close walk with the Lord and joy, but it doesn't always stay there. Maybe we look back and we actually have this, this fond memory of having a close walk with the Lord, and there's joy then, but what happened? Sin entered into our lives. And it wasn't just some passive things. We are not victims to this. We actively pursued after this sin. It's not just an occasional thing. It's a lifestyle eventually, right? It becomes to dominate our lives and eventually leads to us being far from the Lord. And it dawns on us because we have none of the joy we remember at one point in time having. That this sinful lifestyle has really become a pattern of our lives. And then we, we realize, you know what? I want to walk closely with the Lord again. And the good news is, even at the bottom of this, God pursues after us and because he pursues after us we can repent because he pursues after us we can find joy in him you see the good news is this is if you found yourself in the bottom of that diagram the bottom of that cycle the good news for every single one of us is God pursues after us even there I want you to hear this if you walked in here today and you at one point in time were walking closely with the Lord, but over the past couple of weeks, months, or years, you have drifted far away from Him. God is pursuing after you. God's pursued after me in the bottom of that cycle in my life, and I thank God for it. But here's the thing I want to challenge you guys. Whether you're here now, or maybe you'll one day be in that place, unfortunately, I want to ask you a couple of questions for those of you who you find yourself in the bottom of that cycle is this. Have you embraced this mindset that there is no way out? Have you embraced this mindset that, that God isn't pursuing after you? That, that this is just the way it is. There is no way out. With God, the creator of the universe, pursuing after you, it is never hopeless. It is never, ever hopeless. Because God pursues after us. He transforms us. I realize it's so easy when it becomes part of our lifestyle, whatever the sin is, for us to have this defeatist mindset. But God truly transforms lives. He transformed the Apostle Paul's life from a murderer to the greatest missionary we've ever known. God transforms lives that the world says cannot be changed. 
because he pursues after us. He gets down in the mud and the mire with us. He pursues us even there. It's not hopeless. That's why we, we have set up Parkway Church to help to give hope to the hopeless, not because we have everything right, but because Christ can move through us. Part of the idea behind Celebrate Recovery is to help those who think they have no hope to see they have hope because God pursues them even where they're at. But we have small groups for those who are, who are walking faithfully. The Lord can then step alongside those who may be struggling in their small group community to help them walk faithfully with the Lord again. But what about this? What about if you have really drifted far away from the Lord? I think oftentimes I've heard this so many times. I've had people tell me this before when I was younger, and I didn't realize until I was older how dangerous it is. The idea of this, of, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> you, can, you can do this. God will forgive you anyway. Now, is that true? Oh, yeah, God's mercy is amazing. It is new every day. But what just happened there? You took it for granted. You took for granted the fact that God was relentlessly pursuing after you. I think that's where Israel went wrong, is they took for granted that God was pursuing after them. That's a dangerous game to be playing, to take for granted the mercy of Jesus Christ. You see, God's grace, His mercy, it is free to us, but it's not cheap. Free and cheap are two different things. God gives it to us freely, but that doesn't mean we should take it for granted and treat it as if it is some cheap thing to be used by us. Man, if you find yourself on the bottom, don't take God's mercy and His pursuit after you for granted. Because here's the thing, our true response to God's mercy, His grace that He pursues us even then, should be worship. It should be, God, I thank you for that. Man, that's what motivates our worship here in a little bit, is that God pursues after us. And we are broken. If you came here today, you thought you are the only person broken, you're in good company, all right? We are all broken because he pursues after us. Our response is worship. I thank you, Lord. I give my life over to you because you loved me enough to pursue after me. And we see that in the gospel. We see that. If you walked in here, that is news to you. That is what the gospel is. Jesus Christ pursuing after us so much that he was sent here, the perfect son of God, fully God and fully man, to live the perfect life, die the penalty pay the penalty for our sin with his death, rise again three days later so we can have a relationship with God now and forever in eternity and be transformed in our lives today. That's the good news of the gospel. And my, maybe for some of us, your next step is to believe that for the first time today that God pursued after all of us, including you. For some of us, maybe it's to reciprocate and relentlessly pursue after others in your life, showing love and mercy. Or maybe for some... It is simply just worshiping in this moment because this brought to mind a time in your life where you are far from the Lord and God relentlessly pursued after you. Maybe that's your next step. Regardless, let's pray together. Let's worship here in a moment. Dear Lord, God, I thank you so, so much. God, this is a heavy truth and a heavy story, God. For so many of us, we may have during this time kind of peeled back some layers and we see our own brokenness, God, but may we celebrate because you pursue after us despite our brokenness, God. Maybe some walked in here today, they, they had only had the perception of God as this wrathful God that, that is just seeking out to punish all that he can, God. No, it is, you're a merciful God, a merciful God that relentlessly pursues after us. God, I pray 
or anyone that hears us today, Port Lavaca, Lone Tree, or Victoria, that they have not believed in you yet, I pray they may do that today. Not cleaning up their lives first, not self-help, believing in you. Maybe marking that belief in youth a simple prayer. Praying, dear Lord, I am broken, Lord. God, I am a sinner. But I believe that you sent your one and only Son to die for me so that I can have a relationship with you so that my eternity could be changed. God, we celebrate anyone that's believed in you, their eternity changed forever, God. For those of us who have been walking with you for years, as we look back in the times you relentlessly pursued after us, or maybe you even are right in this moment in a very unique way. God, I pray we may worship you because of that. May our lives show that truth in all that we do, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.